It's the Lockdown Flyers podcast for Wednesday, May 25th, your daily dose of Flyers news, analysis, and high-quality content that has a lot to talk about with the Flyers coaching search. Yeah! Your Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So once again, I am Rachel Donner. You can find me on Twitter at rmiriam. I'm here, as always, with Russ Cohen, who's on Twitter at Sportsology. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. You can follow us on Twitter at Lockdown Flyers. You'll keep up to date on all of our episodes and Flyers news. You can also email the show at LockdownFlyers at gmail.com. That's how you ask us mailbag questions, which we're getting to today. Along with the latest Flyers news, including confirmation that they have interviewed John Tortorella for the job. So we're going to talk about that. And we're going to talk about what we would ask the head coaching candidates for the job. So lots on today's show and excited to get to it. Locked on Flyers is free and available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, wherever you are listening right now. So subscribe. You'll get all of our episodes here on the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, Russ, so it's official via Kevin Weeks that the Flyers interviewed John Tortorella for the head coaching job. I think, to me, the most interesting aspect of what Kevin Weeks had to say was that he said, I can confirm John Tortorella is one of the coaches, plural, that Mm -hmm. has interviewed for the Flyers head coaching vacancy. Yeah, so they, I guess they don't want to be transparent. Okay. Um, we knew that they should interview Torts because it was like almost a guarantee he's the guy they're going to hire, so why not? Um, when did they interview him? Because it doesn't seem like it was just like yesterday, but it does seem like it was in within the last week in Torts. You could have interviewed him in the last three months. So, you know, these are questions I have, but whatever they, you know, they're making it hard now to, to follow, which I think is a bad idea. Yeah, I think so too. And we've talked about that, that in terms of the fan base and in terms of the process, I think it builds confidence when you don't have to say everything you're doing, but at Mm -hmm. least say we're interviewing people, the process is moving along, just be a little bit more transparent with what they're doing. Now, as far as John Tortorella himself, again, we've been talking about him for a while now as one of the leading candidates for the position. He's been out of the game for a little bit, been on TV, had some time off. He's ready to get back in the game. And the Flyers do seem like if he's going to come back, a really key opportunity for a guy like him and his style. Yeah, I mean, the main reason I saw it that way was how many coaches out there could get more out of less? Like that's his his calling card. So you you knew that he was going to get that call eventually based on that. Yeah, I think so too. And you're right. I think that's the biggest thing he brings to the table on the pro side of of hiring Tortorella. I think that he does get a lot out of his players. He gets them to overperform in a way. Now, you know, if you look at his methodology, maybe – you have some questions about that, but I do think mm-hmm. that he does that 
And the thing that I think he brings to the table that has been sorely missing on this team is accountability. He yeah. creates an atmosphere where everybody is accountable to each other. And he's going to let you know if you're not behaving that way. Now, the risk of bringing in Torts is he might find out 10 minutes into his tenure that this guy can't play for me. And now all of a sudden, Chuck has to do something about it. Or he might tell him ahead of time. Um, yeah, I know you have this guy. It's not going to work here. Yeah, and I think you know that's an important part of of this process, and, and part of the kind of cons of having Tortorella as your head coach. I think that he does sometimes he's kind of oil and water, right, mm -hmm. with some guys, and and that kind of style doesn't motivate a certain kind of player. Do I worry about him with Carter Hart in net? A little bit, I gotta say. A little bit. I, I think that as long as he kind of takes a step back from the goaltending side of things and has a goaltending coach that takes the reins there, I think, you know, that could be an issue. I mean, I don't think that his relationship with goaltenders has been the greatest over the years. But again, is that your priority? You just kind of got to look at everything. And put it up on the board and say, what's the most important thing to get done here? Right. I don't think I would worry about the goaltending because um, he did fine with Lundqvist because he didn't have anything to worry about. Um, I feel like it's, it'll be the same thing with Carter Hart that he'll kind of ease up because he doesn't really have anything to worry about. So he'll sort of be ha hands off for the most part. And I think I think that's the way it'll kind of go. In Columbus, they didn't have a real true number one. And he, he doesn't like it when, when it's that kind of situation because then he has to get more involved with the goaltending than he wants to. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I also think with him, there he has a reputation of kind of burning out quickly. And kind but he of, doesn't. But he, but doesn't. he doesn't. I know. That's the thing. Only I don't Vancouver. Think that's it was only Vancouver. He's been everywhere from like four to six years. It's just Vancouver he burnt out quickly. For a team like the Flyers, who's gone through so many coaches in recent years, I think one of the key things that we're looking for is stability mm -hmm. and building a system that gets better and better over time. And I do think that's something he can provide. But, you know, again, looking at the downside, his personality sometimes gets the better of him. And reputationally, sometimes that causes problems or causes, you know, consternation with the media and and things like that, which can be a distraction for the team overall. The good thing about Tortorella is like he'll he'll respect the um, the Flyers' elders, but he still might not listen to them. But he'll respect them. Right. He'll show them respect. <laughs> and and Chuck, he'll probably be kind of rough on at times. But you know that's the way it goes. Yeah, I think you know. Do you want to? Take advantage of what he can offer, or don't you? That's the choice yeah, yeah, yeah. that they're going to have to make. All right, a couple other bits of Flyers-related news. Lena Sandine got a one-year two-way deal for $750,000. We talked about the RFAs earlier this week. You can go back and listen to that episode and and sandine was one of the guys we talked about and i i do believe we said yeah they should just offer him a low end two way deal we said they should do it i said i didn't know if he would take it but then i found out some info that we'll talk about in another segment that might explain it all right and then i think 
The other kind of big-ish news in Flyers land, of course, Claude Giroux getting eliminated from the playoffs when the Tampa Bay Lightning swept the Florida Panthers in the second round. And I think that, you know, for me, I, I'm sad about it for him, but only to a certain extent because he specifically picked the Florida Panthers and this is where he wanted to go. And he certainly did make the best of it uh, in terms of his production there. I thought he had some really good games with the Panthers. I thought he looked really good in that first series overall, but you know, he kind of made his bed by saying, this is where I want to go play. And so for them to get knocked out in the second round, I, I'm not going to feel too bad about it in the grand scheme. No. And I don't think he would want you to, but I think some fans got it twisted when they were kind of like, well, see, see, we told you you should have gone to Colorado and see, you would have gotten more for the club if you did that and see now you're out. So it's like, Hey, tough luck, buddy. You know, but I saw that. I saw that sentiment out there. Well, that's unfortunate because I I just don't think that's necessary or, or called for. They made the deal they did. He got to go where he wanted to go and the chips fell where they did. Right. Yeah. They, you know, sometimes I think some fans want to take the human side out of it and say, well, you should have gone where the best deal was for the flyers. You owed that to the flyers. And it's like, no, you really don't. But but I get it. I get the fans wanted a better deal. Like, I understand that. I do. Because whatever. But sure. end of the day, he experienced more playoffs. Um, I think there's a chance he'll resign there. Uh, I, I don't think he's running to Ottawa. I honestly, I would be surprised if he does that. He's got years to do that. Uh, I think he'll go to Ottawa maybe like in his last couple of years. I don't think there's a reason to go there now. Because they're not ready to win. No, he's going to want to be somewhere that's on the precipice of winning. Yeah. So I just don't see him go going to Ottawa either. All right. We are going to continue our conversation about the Flyers head coaching search and talk about what we would want to ask those candidates coming up next. But first, this episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning? You gotta wait while the person behind the the counter orders the parts on their computer. They're only gonna choose brands that they happen to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket on your phone. Rock Auto's prices are reliably low for every customer, from expert mechanics to beginner do-it-yourselfers. They have everything you could possibly need from brake parts and tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. Whatever you need for your car, you'll be able to find it and get your car in shape. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car truck. Right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so that they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Thanks for making Locked On Flyers your first listen every day. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Now podcast. It's nightly recaps of every NHL game with analysis from all our local experts. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Russ, we have been talking about this head coaching search uh, even before Mike Yo was officially let go. I think, you know, we've been talking about this mm-hmm. process and, and everything and I think one of the things that we have focused on is figuring out who would be a good fit in terms of a system and 
culture, but also creating that atmosphere of accountability and and putting something together that works to make you know the best results for this group of players that we have because they're not going to be able to make much change given the cap situation. So you know looking from let's say we're we're HR or we're Chuck Fletcher and the whole gang interviewing a head coach what would we ask these candidates for the head coaching job and are, and are there some specific questions we would ask particular candidates. So Russ what's your very first question on the table? What do you think of this roster? How long do you think it'll take to get this roster in shape to sort of be to be playoff competitive? That's a really good one to start with because I I think it it shows that the whether or not the candidate knows what we have to work with, right? And that's mm-hmm. your number one thing coming in the door on day one. What do we have to work with, and how long do you think it'll take to get ramped up to really understand? The roster. So I think for me, I would kind of start with, especially if it's a guy like Tortorella or Barry Trotz, right? Say, okay, you're known for this particular system. You've executed it in, at this team or that team or whatever. Do you see that working here or not? And if not, what would you adjust or implement here based on the personnel? Yeah, I think that there's... You know, that's really good. And and those are the kinds of things that, you know, Chuck needs to get the clipboard out and start figuring out. Yeah, I think so, too. And it's it's just one of those things where you again, I think it's similar to your question. It goes to the point of do you understand what pieces you have to work with and are you going to cater what you do to this team versus going with what you just know? So I think it goes to the point of can this coaching candidate adjust to the personnel at hand as opposed to just going with what they already know from the past. Mm -hmm. I think the next question for me is how do you model accountability and how do you work with a team to achieve it? Because that's been one of the biggest weaknesses of the Flyers. Yeah. And, and Torts is really good at that. And he'll probably say, listen, uh, Nobody is immune from this. So, you know, I might ruffle some feathers. Some guys might not want to play for me. Could happen that way. I'm going to get the best out of some guys. But not everybody always wants to buy in. No, that is absolutely true. And I, like, I think those are some follow-up questions, right? How do, you, how do you work with the team? How do you work with players that aren't living up to the model that you're putting together? Um, you know, what is your disciplinary system for lack of a better term? Like, are you going to sit players for not following through on accountability? Mm-hmm. Like, like what are you going to do with any of that? Right. So next thing I would um, see, this is where I would hope Chuck would had had, would have had like a thought as to, okay, if John Tortorella comes in, in here, what players do I have or and what players could I possibly get that would be really good for him to employ his system? And so um, a guy that I have identified, and let's hope Chuck did uh, as well, is uh, Vladislav Gavrikov over in Columbus. He 
has one year left on a deal at 2.8 million. And, you know, he's a guy that plays a torts kind of style. Torts did play with him a little bit, you know, did coach him a little bit. He's a defenseman that gets some points, but he's, he's on the bigger side. Uh, he can play the tougher, tougher things. He will um, get a lot of blocks and a lot of hits. And so if Torts already identifies that maybe Konechny is a problem, then, you know, maybe I call um, Yarmo Kekalainen up and say, listen, um, we're interested in Gavrikov. We'll give you Konechny. Uh, that gives you a little extra term to do something that you want with, with Konechny. You've got, you know, um, cost certainty there. And I know you haven't been able to lock up Gavrikov long term. Uh, let's make this deal, throw in maybe a second round pick and, and get it done. And something like that would be a good deal for the Flyers because, yeah, they would have to decide how Gavrikov look, looks for them and see if they can lock him up. But that really is the only way they're going to be able to get um, like another really good, solid defenseman in here not making $6 million and not going to be slated to make $6 million. So then how do you address that in an interview and in talking to these coaches in terms of the power balance, because it's, I think based on what's happening around the league and how many openings there are, all of the coaching candidates are in the stronger position of power right now. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. They need to like teams need to really sell themselves to these candidates. I think, especially the top ones because of the number of openings there are. And I think because of the way the demand structure is right now. So getting that deep into the minutiae, is that something you think the Flyers are going to have to do? Yeah, I think it's, I wouldn't even call it that deep because I think when you're talking to a guy like Tortorella, you, you basically say, yeah, what do you think of Konechny? And he probably would say, you know, when he's playing a certain way, I could, I really like him. But I, there's a lot of things I don't like that I'm going to have to fix. Mm -hmm. uh, he'll probably tell you Gavrikov is a guy that he could slot in a lot of different spots and play great for him. And I think the last part would be, well, I know I've, we've, we've taken away a little bit of offense here, but I could sort of get around um, having a less offensive team if I know my defense is a little more solid than what you have on paper here. Well, and with a guy like Tortorella, I think that's a valid question and a point to make because he does put together good defensive systems. But just looking at a more general okay. sense of things, like how do you get to that point with just any coach and not just Tortorella? Well, you have to have like a flow chart, which again would make you giddy. Um, and you have to ha have it for each coach. Like when they come in here, like so when Barry Trotz comes in here, and we say, all right, um, I know you like Mayfield. Why was he on the block? Uh, and he'll probably say, because Lou doesn't want to give him more money. And <laughs> then we'd say, you know, Chuck would say, all right, well, I'm going to I'm gonna try and precipitate that. And, you know, maybe offer up Konechny for Mayfield and try and get a pick or something. You really seem to want to get rid of Konechny in these scenarios. <laughs> well, I mean, because, all right, this is why. If you bring in guys that have a tremendous defensive system. Does that really work in Travis Konechny's world? 
Not really. And I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just yeah. saying the examples so, you're using are very connecting. But heavy. shouldn't I get value for him while he's got some value? And sure. Rather than sure. when these guys come in and they strip the offense out of his game and we get even less offense out of him? Yeah. And I think that's where you can talk to these coaching candidates about tweaking your personnel to fit their system a little right. bit better. But you can't go so overboard that you're losing every single deal you put on the table no. so badly just to twist your team into whatever this coach could do. But you're so going to have to do it to some degree. To some degree. Yeah. I, I just no think there's what. a happy medium there where yeah. you, you do what you can to oblige whoever you want. But at the same time, certain things are going to be what they are, especially given the cap situation. But I do think that's where you kind of look to other things in a lot of ways that you could give to these coaches in terms of control. So for me, I would say, how would you want us to integrate coaching for the phantoms into your system? Sure. And that's, what would you want? Cause that's an easy gift, right? Yeah. Those things are secondary though. They want to talk players first because that's what matters. You know, there were coaches. Um, basically this, this goes back to way back to, to football when um, Bill Parcells was getting hired around to places and he was a big name and he always used to be like, yeah, it's great to be able to get a coaching job and look on the menu, but I want to kind of have be able to shop for the groceries too. And that's where some of these bigger name coaches are going to want to have say in personnel because personnel right. is more important to them because then it's an easier way to reach their vision. The other parts are secondary. It's important to them, but not right out of the gate to kind of get them to take the coaching gig. To get them to take the coaching gig, you've got to be able to, within a year or, or sooner, start turning your team into what they see themselves as. Because I know it's easy to say, hey, you get a coach and he's got to conform himself to the players. That's true, but that's only after you hire him. No coach is going to really want to be hired if he doesn't think the roster is right for him. So he has to believe something's going to change with that or they're not going to do right. it. No, I agree 100%. I just think with some of the lack of flexibility the Flyers are going to have with the cap, it's going to be hard to do that for some of these candidates. It, it will. So and maybe that's, that's the where biggest the extra cash comes me. in. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think Torts is a guy that it matters. Um, if he's the highest paid, I never thought that. So with Trotz, clearly it is because it's out there and he seems to like that. Um, and he pretty much demanded it with Washington the first time when he went to the Islanders. So you have to deal with that part of things, too. Yeah, you absolutely do. All right. Well, hopefully they're asking the right questions and we get a quality coaching candidate into the slot with the Flyers. We have a lot of your mailbag questions coming up next, speaking to some of the personnel issues that you just talked about, Russ. All right, we are back with some mailbag questions here. And uh, Will asked us uh, from over on YouTube about the core of the team episode that we did and talking about where we see people's roles. 
So Will says, I think Lawton would be better at center on the third line, but I hope they put Hayes out there with some speed on the wings, but I don't like Lawton on the wing with him. Who would you think that would work with Hayes and Lawton on that third line? Okay, so if we're assuming Lawton's the center and Hayes is the one winger, um, then I'll put Lindblom on that line. Because mm-hmm. somebody else needs to do some of the hard work to get the puck to Hayes, and Lawton's kind of a mix. So if if that part's been decided, I'll put Oscar Lindblom there. Yeah, I think that's my first choice. But also in that discussion, we talked about maybe putting a guy like Noah Cates on the wing on the third line. And so that's a second option for me in a scenario where Oscar Lindblom is maybe on your second line. Right. That's the only way I'm doing it. I don't want to put Cates ahead of Lindblom yet. Um, no. because he's not quite there yet, and it's unfair to Lindblom. Uh, if Cates becomes better than Lindblom, sure, but I think he needs to show a little more before we jump to that. Exactly. All right, uh, Warren Browdy via Twitter asked, is it possible the Flyers will trade JVR and the fifth overall pick in the first round as part of a larger trade? Could we get back a top 10 to 15-ish pick this year and a second round pick this year as well? I don't think you'll be in the top 10 um if you do it because again somebody in that scenario somebody has to want to play jvr a bit even though you are um shuffling things around so i think you could maybe do that trade and be in the top 15 but i don't think you're getting that second round pick because they've got to absorb seven million bucks in cash that's the inequity part of it that you have to make up for by taking the lower pick i don't think they should do any part of that personally because i i'm assuming teams don't want jvr already so if i don't see anything happening in the next two weeks i'm just gonna buy him out yeah i think that's the better approach because i don't think any team that's picking between 10 and 15 is going to make that deal either because of the cap hit Right. You know, un- unless they're a team struggling to reach the cap floor, but there's nobody like that in that range. I mean, so. Arizona, yeah, Arizona's way up there. There's nobody in that range yeah. that's struggling to do that. That's true. Yeah. All right. Next question. Other than Eric Lindros, what Flyers player from before the year 2000 would you want to have on the team right now? For the year 2000, other than Lindros, hmm, that's a really good one. I'll say John LeClaire because um, there there is a need for a crease presence on this team. And if you had a guy like LeClaire that was willing to sort of take the beating, even if you knew his career was going to not last as long as you as it could, to get 30 goals a year in the crease, that would do a lot for this team. So I'm going to go John LeClaire. Yeah, I think John LeClaire would be my first choice as well. But I think for my second choice, I'm going to go a little further back and say Ilka Sinasalo. Okay. And that is because he had such a good north-south game. Mm-hmm. Like, he would just speed up the wing all the time. So dynamic to watch. And I think that would really help this team right now, just getting out of the zone and getting mm-hmm. down the ice, having a guy like that out there. And he was one of my favorite players from that era to watch for that reason and just really brought something different to the Flyers that they hadn't seen before. Yeah, he was ahead of his time as far as playing that type of game then. No mm-hmm. question about it. Yeah, love him. Absolutely love him. All right, next question. Little controversial. Should the NHL have done more than fine David Perron for the attack on Nazem Kadri? What about potential discipline for Buknevich? Okay, so yeah, Perron, 
I think it's hard to find them because I don't know what how bad that contact really was. Didn't seem like it was that bad. So it's kind of like, are you finding him because you just don't like that he did it? Yeah, okay, but you know, that's one of those things that you have to be careful about now because then you're gonna now have to really clean up a lot of these um scrums or things like the turn into scrums which you know there's a lot of stuff like that that goes on all the time you're saying you're i i get the sentiment because you know you're seeing all that Kadri's going through and the things that he's going through in his family are not right but again he's brought a lot of this on himself not from the idiots saying things about him or things about his nationality for just being a jerky kind of player himself who again i don't think did much to um deter or get out of the crease when things were happening to get bennington hurt in the series like i i don't think he went straight for bennington but he went and took out rosen's leg and when you have that kind of situation crazy situation in crease you know the goalie's gonna see some of that and there's a history there Kadri took out one of their players a year ago took out Falk and got a suspension I forget how many games and then Bennington had the stick swinging incident to Kadri uh again and he sort of apologized to it saying it wasn't the best thing I've ever done in my life and so there's a history there so I don't know if you could do anything about it now when it really started then it had to be something more concrete, I think, unfortunately. But as far as the other stuff, um, you know, I think I think at some point you might be able to do some sort of warning to um, hockey fans in general and say, hey, listen, um, we're not the NHL police here, but if you're like a season ticket holder and you are threatening a player or are on – Instagram or something, and we see that you're threatening a player or a family or say something that's really um, in poor taste like that, we might take away your season tickets. We might tell that team to take away your season tickets. I think you could maybe do something like that in the future to try and deter some of this abominable behavior on online. Yeah, I think there should be. I think there should be more vocal action from teams and not just the teams involved. It should be no for any any team because you can scan NHL. someone's face, and if you find that this fan is attached to this team and he's got yeah. season ticket holder, season ticket rights, then maybe you take away his season tickets. No, it's it's not a bad thought. I, I do think for this particular play and this series, it's going to be real tough for them to have control over Game Five tonight, and I, I think that absolutely anything has to be clamp down on because yeah, they call cannot stuff let this yeah they can't let this game get out of control but as an example i understand and it, it's amazing to me that kadri has now become a sympathetic figure because he's done a lot of stuff in his career okay and and in being a, in the jerk category like marshawn but, but what it's all been on the ice and it hasn't been targeted yeah well i mean it's been on the ice. I can't say it all hasn't been targeted because as far as who he might be going after or whatever, he, he's done some stuff. Um, Fox seemed to be pretty targeted as an example. But still, what if he's the aggressor tonight and does something and he does something stupid like he's done before? Then, then how do you deal with all of it? Now, if it's the other way around, it's easy. 
it's easy to say, hey, St. Louis, knock it off. But what if it's him? Because he's also lost his cool a Listen, million times on the ice. That's I'm just saying overall, it's going to be really hard for the refs to yeah. keep control of this game. I do not envy them that job. All right, that will do it for today's show. We will be back again tomorrow. It's our prospect Thursday. We're going to talk about Denton Matiachuk as a draft eligible prospect. We're also going to talk about some rumblings over in the KHL and how that could affect what the Phantoms might be doing as far as getting some free agents. As a reminder, we always want to hear from you. Send us in your mailbag questions via Twitter at Lockdown Flyers, or you can email us at LockdownFlyers at gmail.com. I am Rachel. I'm on Twitter at rmiriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. I'm Russ. I'm at Sportsology, S-P-O-R-T-S-O-L-O-G-Y. You made us your first listen today. Now make your next listen Locked On NHL. From first round matchups to each Stanley Cup final victory, Locked On NHL covers the playoffs like no other. Here are the latest news and opinions from local experts every Monday through Friday. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Have a great day, everyone.